Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Talking Stuff, the Ohio State Recruiting Podcast. I am Jeremy Birmingham. This is Spencer Holbrook. We are in the Letterman Lounge at Roosters on Olentangy River Road as we, you know, break down Ohio State football recruiting because we had so much fun doing this in person last week that I felt like we should do it again. And because this week we know we're going to do a second show when we're at Big Ten Media Day on Thursday. And hell, Spencer, why not just spend more time together as opposed to doing it, you know, via the Zoom? Two in-person shows, both brought brought to you by Buyers Auto. If you're looking for a new or used car in Central Ohio, go to Buyers Auto because we're at Roosters, but this show is sponsored by Buyers Auto. It sure is. It's great, though. We're going to have two in-person shows. How about it? Yeah, I mean, again, folks, we're we're trying. We're trying to make sure we stay uh, up to date and current on everything happening around the world of Ohio State recruiting, but uh, the Buckeyes are kind of... They kind of took a week off, it seems like, on the recruiting trail, while everyone else around the country had a, a huge couple days um, as players in the 22 class, 23 class uh, made their decisions. It really started, as far as the Ohio State perspective, on Friday night when Tyler Booker made his commitment to Alabama. Booker, uh, Spencer, I mean, we talked about the offensive line a lot last week, and I don't want to harp on it too much because it's just one of these positions where there are so many options and so many possibilities for Ohio State that it's kind of hard to look at one loss and be like, oh, well, darn it, there's another you know big-time loss. But Booker is one of those guys that I think that they never really were in the mix for despite the fact that he took his official visit. And I think that, that basically like February or so, it kind of turned, and it was all going to be SEC for him. Uh, Alabama was not the favorite going into this. I mean, most people thought he was going to end up at Florida or Georgia, but Alabama with Evan Neal, with JC Latham. Now they've got the sort of pipeline of the, like the offensive lineman from the IMG Academy going to Alabama. And um, I I don't know. I mean, I I don't know if I want to chalk that up as a, as a, another huge loss for Greg Studuara when it comes to going after the guys that are really top of the board um, type talents. But it certainly seems like at this point, maybe it's not worth going after a lot of the offensive linemen from IMG. Yeah, and the other thing, you know, I was honest last week. Yep. I'll be honest again this week. Alabama's going to win these recruiting battles against Ohio State right now. Ohio- Alabama has put offensive tackle after offensive tackle in the NFL. Ohio State has put, obviously, plenty of offensive linemen in the NFL, but not at the at the first round, the second round level. That Alabama has, and yeah, so especially when, not a tackle. When which you is have what that, Tyler wants to play. when you have that trump card in your back pocket, and you're Alabama, and you already have the advantage of of proven IMG to Alabama success, it's not going to be easy for Ohio State to recruit against Alabama when it comes to offensive line. And I think that's one place where, after this year, Ohio State can start to make some some inroads. Is well, the narrative changes for sure. If if Thayer Munford and Nick Petit Frere go off and get uh, picked in the first round or early second round, and then you have Paris Johnson in the same position next year, most likely. But you're absolutely right. I mean, what Bama is selling these kids is that, sure, Ohio State will get you into the NFL, but our f- offensive linemen are making $50 million because they're all first-round picks. Um, that is absolutely the sell. And, and then, of course, it continues to be this belief that a lot of these kids just simply think that if they want to get 
the best football, it's going to be in the SEC. And that's, uh, you know, as the rest of the Big Ten struggles to catch up with Ohio State, but yet you see in the SEC, the schools like Texas A&M, Florida, uh, you know, back on the come up. Georgia, obviously, is a national power. LSU. I mean, it's it's hard to, to look at that from a Big Ten perspective and say that it's wrong. I mean, right now, sure, there, there's – I say that, but if you look at the national recruiting rankings right now, the top three schools are Ohio State, Penn State, and Notre Dame in the class of 2022. Yeah, but that – that's not going to stay that way. Right. I mean, we see Alabama only has like six commitments. I mean, they, they you know, Clemson had a huge weekend uh, picking up a couple five-star defensive backs, Keon Sab, uh, one of them, uh, you know, Daylon Everett, the second. It's, it's just one of these things where these other schools that have built these big powerhouse programs are going to continue to just that slow burn uh, all the way till signing day. And that's sort of their MO. They like to make the big splash in, in December and February. But you know, back to the original point, I just I don't know that you can argue that if if that's really the goal to go and play in the NFL and play in the best football conference in America, it probably is the SEC. Absolutely. And for a lot of these kids who play their high school football down there, it, it's almost you look at the Big Ten and go, OK, well, there's Ohio State. And where's everyone else? Even in the ACC right now, you see what you know. Miami is 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 on the on the rise. North Carolina is on the rise. There's a couple programs that you start to see some momentum. I mean, Virginia Tech just got a couple commitments right. and is now in the pushing toward the top ten in recruiting. That's not they're not going to be good in the next couple of years. But the all the momentum seems to be going elsewhere right now, and I think yeah. that's something Ohio State fans are going to have to live with because Ohio State already has so many guys in the class already, yeah. and because Ohio State stockpiled the class early. And now they're they're really zeroing in on just a few guys, whereas these SEC schools and some of the ACC schools have kind of, like you said, a slow burn to the finish line, and that class doesn't go from 8 to 14 in two months. It goes from 8 to 20 in eight yeah. months. Yeah, and it's what we, you know, we talked about the offensive line and, and the class prediction I did two weeks ago uh, on LettermanRow.com was that I, I thought Ohio State was going to take four offensive linemen. The four that I had predicted were Tegra Shibola, um, George Fitzpatrick, Cam Dewberry, and Ernest Green. I still think that's reasonable and realistic. And Cam Dewberry and Ernest Green, if they end up in the class, are big-time wins for Ohio State and Greg Stradar to go to Texas and to go to California and get the arguably the best you know, remaining offensive linemen in, in those states uh, matters. And that's certainly something that should be celebrated. But I, I know that there's this underlying belief among people that Greg Stradar is continuing to struggle on the recruiting trail. I don't know if that's entirely something I buy, but I certainly think that it's an, a clear argument that people can make when you look at the way that Alabama specifically has been able to pretty much take whoever they want in those conversations in the last few years. But I guess I push back on that a little bit because it's not like an Alabama offensive line coach is out recruiting. Right. It's Alabama. It's just Alabama. Yeah. And so where Ohio State's had this continuity and this development and proven success, just not in the first and second rounds with Greg Sidrala, who's doing a fantastic job when the players get on campus, Alabama is just Alabama. Yeah. And so these guys want to play there because they want to play for Alabama, not because they want to play for a certain offensive line coach. So is it Greg Sidrala struggling on the recruiting trail or is it Alabama, the power of Alabama oh, yeah. or the draw of staying in the every, SEC? Every so player great. that has stayed for four years since Nick Saban took over at Alabama has won a national championship. 
So it's, it's, again, it's pretty hard to like sit there and go, well, you shouldn't want to, be, you know, you can't believe what they say because uh, it's pretty clear that they're selling this idea that A, you're going to be a first round pick and B, you're going to win a national championship because it seems to be happening pretty regularly. And this isn't, you know, an Alabama praise hour. That's not what I'm, we're trying to do. It's just when you look at the way they're recruiting on the offensive line right now, it's tough. Yeah. It's it's an uphill climb for and this is a rare thing for Ohio State too. It's an uphill climb to be Ohio State on the offensive line when you're recruiting. Just because the other schools that they're recruiting against, the top of the line schools, with the exception of Clemson, because Clemson doesn't put offensive line in the NFL ever. With the exception of Clemson, the other schools that you're recruiting against are putting guys in the first and second round of the NFL, even Georgia, Florida. So it is tough for Ohio State right now on on the offensive line recruiting trail. And I don't know if it's because it's just they're there's a difference in development as far as not necessarily what type of development you get at Ohio State versus Alabama, but where these players are in their development when they get to Ohio State versus where they are when they get to Alabama. And does that make any sense? Yeah, like like you see how good Thayer Munford is. He's right. the top, one of the top, I'd say Evan Neal and him, the top two returning tackles right. in the country. Thayer Munford is a fifth-year player. Right. Evan Neal is a third-year player. Right. And so when you start with a baseline of talent of a five-star talent versus a three-and-a-half to four-star talent, the the output is going to be greater faster. Right. And then you get to the NFL after three years rather than getting that first-round pick after five years. Right. Evan Neal is as good a player now as he was when he came to Alabama. And I guess that's what I'm trying to say. I don't think that – I think that they're recruiting from an area where the kids are much more physically developed. And whether that is because they're at IMG and you have the year round football, whether that you're just anywhere in the South that has year round ability to play football, seven on seven, all the other stuff that the Midwest doesn't have. There is a geographical and demographic challenge for Ohio state in recruiting these kids, because in the Midwest, these kids are quite, quite honestly, like a year behind when it comes to their physical development um, and that's not even taking into consideration the fact that there's a lot of these kids uh, that are going to Alabama that are going in as 19-year-olds as opposed to 18-year-olds. So there's a lot of reclassifications. There's kids being held back for football purposes. I mean, whatever. If, if that parents want to do that, more power to them. I mean, it's it's their decision. They, they have their, their whole life to figure out how to get them there. So I just think it leads to some interesting conversation when it talks about how do you get those guys to say i'm going to come to ohio state instead um and, and it, again it's it's so it's kind of crazy to even suggest it because there is i think in most objective people's minds a clear-cut line between alabama and ohio state and everyone else but it's like is there also a clear-cut line between alabama and ohio state and i don't oh. think that there is in every position but i think that there clearly is when it comes to the willingness of offensive linemen to wait their turn uh, and, and to, to, to be willing to come and, and get developed. Because what you said is is apropos, like if, if Thayer Munford's there for five years, and a lot of these kids in Ohio State are there for five years, as opposed to three years, that, that turnover cycle is way faster. So you see just the increase of, okay, for every one guy Ohio State has, Alabama's having two of them. And so like that turnover changes, and I think that it, does lead to some interesting conversation about, you know, is there a better approach or is there a way that Ohio State has to change the way that they're recruiting on the offensive line? Because even if you look at a guy like George Fitzpatrick, who's a really good player, really athletic, right? 6'6", 285, like former lacrosse player, dude can move. Not coming in right away. And play he's him. not coming in to play at Ohio State next year. And that's, that's, you have those very, very few guys 
Donovan Jackson, I think, is a kid who can play at Ohio State this year. What does does he? We does he? Know. I don't know. And that's the thing that they, they do have pretty good guys returning. So it's like, it, is that being is that long term arc for development being somewhat used as a negative? Well, and the other, the last thing I'll say about this because we've gone on offensive line recruiting for a while now. When you have Ohio State, you know, I'll start over. When Paris Johnson was recruited to Ohio State, he was a generational, once every decade, once every two decade, Ohio prospect. Right. Tyler Booker is a once every cycle prospect in the South. Yeah. Paris Johnson is a once every decade or two at, in the state of Ohio. That is a disadvantage. No yeah. matter who the offensive line coach is, no matter who the head coach is, no matter if Ohio State's the number one program in the country and Alabama's the 90th program in the country, the fact that there are three Tyler Bookers in every single recruiting class and there's one Paris Johnson once every 10 recruiting classes is a is a disadvantage. And you don't like to make excuses because Ohio State doesn't. I think, I think there's, there's be a better. big difference between excuses and explanation. Yeah, right? you know, Ohio State needs to be, to, in all honesty, I think they need to be better on the offensive line recruiting. Just, just, being able to stay in these battles and and push them further into into the season for offensive linemen, but at the same time, it is an explanation, not an excuse. Paris Johnsons don't grow on trees in Ohio. It seems like the Tyler Bookers grow on trees. Well, and again, South. demographics have changed a lot, and so you know we've talked in the past about on this show about how the recruiting battles in Ohio, like the northeast part of Ohio, has stopped producing football players pretty much, at least Ohio State-level football players. There's a, a number of them now that are growing up in, in southwest Ohio and the Cincinnati area, but there's nothing in northwest Ohio. There's nothing in northeast Ohio, or maybe a guy every year or two. Um, Columbus has had a pretty good run in the last – but even that, even in the state of Ohio, you see that, that the – the movement is south and west, right? Like that's where the people are going in the U.S. And it's just it's starting. Uh, and so the Buckeyes have obviously done a great job turning their brand into more of a national brand. But that battle is going to continue to get harder and harder. So I, I think when you look at something like name, image, and likeness, and a way that that can be used for Ohio State because of the power of just the biggest brand in in sports, especially the only brand really in Ohio that people, you know care that much about i know there's a lot of browns fans and that care a lot about the browns but the the buckeyes are sort of all-encompassing in ohio um i think that that's where you will see them start to really take some advantage of that over the next few years and i think you will see the buckeyes win more of those national battles uh for the for the very few kids that are are willing and interested to leave the south because it's not a lot of they're not all willing to and that's that's the other part i mean not the tyler bookers he's not originally from the south he's from uh, you know connecticut but He's been down at IMG for three years, and that, that's it's, it shapes the way that they see college football. Absolutely. And then, you know, like you said, some players are willing to leave the South. You look at um, a guy like, like uh, Kyan or Kayan Lee from, from Cedar Grove, Georgia. You look at A.J. Harris, who's considering Ohio State. There, there are guys willing to leave. You just have to find them, build those relationships, and then. But there, what's the difference there? You're talking about two defensive backs. Two defensive backs in Ohio State is – the proof is in the pudding. Best in America. Yeah, right. exactly. And so that's that's first round picks being put out year after year by Ohio State. And so where the offensive line, it's not. And so as we said at the top of this, maybe you get an opportunity to start to change that narrative a little bit. Uh, as long as Thayer Munford and Nick Petit Frere and Paris Johnson end up doing what they need to do, and it's not to say that Ohio State hasn't had first round picks. Billy Price is a first round pick. Pat Alfine was a first round pick. These guys are interior linemen. Taylor Decker, there, there's there's been success. It's not like Ohio State isn't producing 
great offensive lineman, but it has been interior guys, and it has been guys that need to to wait their turn, and that's that's something that's different because I think that, like I said, that development track of five years versus three, it it really extends the the moment from when you get out of high school to when you get to the NFL. If you're adding that extra forty percent length of time, I mean, it does change what people are wanting out of college. But anyway, I don't know, man. It's just I, I think that. When you're recruiting against Alabama, is one thing, right? Like, it's Alabama. You know exactly what you're getting. Every year, Alabama is going to be competing for the national championship. And Ohio State is on that level in most people's minds. And then you have that next tier, which includes, you know, the Georgias, the LSUs, the Oklahoma, who Clemson. had the Clemsons. Clemson is, I think, sort of in that weird, like, purgatory between second tier and top tier with Ohio well, they State. They made all their hay in the second tier, and now – it's it's hard being at the top, right. so they're they're struggling to stay there. But I think they are pushing. Well, yeah, them. I mean, they're you know you see it though. I mean, they 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 do things pretty well. Obviously, they they land a bunch of five stars. They've got three five star kids from IMG now committed to them. So I mean, it's it's a different mentality. And I actually think that I mean, totally apropos of nothing, and just off off the beaten path here. I think that it will be interesting to see how Clemson's coaching staff deals with those players who are not developmental players and who are expected to come in and be ready and, and, and versus what Clemson had done to get to where they are, which is building players from, you know, ground up and developing. So whatever, that's nothing. But Oklahoma is right in that next level, right? And, and they've been trying and trying and trying to get over the hump. And they had a huge weekend picking up uh, borderline five-star uh, uh, Trayon Webb from Jacksonville Trinity Christian, um, and then Malachi Nelson, the five-star quarterback in the class of 2023, on Sunday. You know, we've talked in the past about how they do their quarterback recruiting, which is year on year off. Essentially, they didn't; they're not going after one in the 22 class because they just signed Caleb Williams for the 21 class. He was the number one ranked quarterback in that class. Now you don't sign one in 2022. You go out and you get a transfer. They got the kid from Penn State who's going to be on the roster this year um, as basically the stopgap slash you know emergency quarterback, but behind Rattler and Caleb Williams. Spencer Rattler, 2019 class, five-star, you know, then you take the year off. And then so it's just funny to see how the difference uh, of approach is. But clearly what Oklahoma is doing is working. Lincoln Riley is obviously great young coach, very energetic. They have a really top-notch social media, you know, approach, a very customized, very personalized. And, you know, you think about the Trey on Webb thing, and I, uh, Buckeyes were never in the mix for Malachi Nelson, and I don't. He, they, you know, they're on his top seven list or whatever that he put out last week, but there was no chance. There was no chance. Everyone knew he was going to Oklahoma for the last month and a half or so. Um, but Trey Webb, I mean, it's interesting because Ohio State was the leader for him a month ago. He he left Ohio State after visiting on the weekend of uh, or the uh, June eighth. And said, hey, Ohio State's top of my list. There's a relationship that he's had long held with Tony Alford, who's known him since he was like in sixth grade. There's all this talk about, oh, you know, he's like a father to me. But And then he commits to Oklahoma after one visit. Hey, you see those Ferraris on the field, man. It's 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 tough. <laughs> but this is a, a matter of philosophy, right? I mean, this is a, a matter of approach. So one of the things I've read, and I'm, I'm not – I apologize. I'm not entirely. I don't remember where I read it. Was that Trey Webb was telling a reporter that he didn't feel like he was a priority for Ohio State, and I don't know how that's even possible to know that at this point. To be honest, I mean, 
as a 2023 prospect, schools are not allowed to call you. So if a school is calling you regularly and making you a priority, they're, they're doing it illegally, uh, you know, against the rules. I don't, not illegal. It's, you know, against the NCAA rules. That's but, illegal. Uh, I know, but I don't like the term illegal because I think illegal is like hitting people with your car and r- driving away, you know. Oh, okay. that's, that's not like illegal. This is just a silly, arbitrary NCAA rule, right? Yeah. But so – how do you make a kid a priority? It, it, you know, I, I guess there's ways to make sure that they know where they stand. But for a kid like Trey Webb, who was being recruited by some schools as a defensive back, some schools as a running back, who's not able to be contacted, you know, as much as they want. He made a visit to both schools. Um, I, I don't I don't even understand really like the concept of priority in that class. I mean, yeah, you we have a guy like Sonny Styles who's down the street. And you know he's a priority for Ohio State just from a perception standpoint because you have to get him. Is is there any player in the class of 2023 outside of Sonny Styles who like is irreplaceable for Ohio State at this point? No. Even someone like Richard Young, who's the number one ranked running back in the country, like that. That though, I think, and I haven't talked to Trey Webb. I haven't talked to Richard Young. The way, but I will say this: we watched the one-on-one workouts. The way, and I don't want to put words in Ohio State's mouth, the way Ohio State worked out Richard Young and the day with Trey Webb felt different. It's not like they were different. They were the same workout. Tony Alford was allowed to work each of them out at camp. The way that they worked out felt different. But is that because the media was gathered differently? I don't know. See, and that, that could be. But if you would ask me who's priority number one for Ohio State at running back, just on what I saw there. Richard Young is number one. Trey Webb is number two. Does he know that without well, Ohio State telling him that? These, these kids are, are friends. I mean, they've talked about going to school together. And in fact, I mean, Trey Webb is now actively attempting to recruit Richard Young to Oklahoma. Oh. He's going to visit Oklahoma at the end of the month after he visits Ohio State for a second time. Well, let's not forget, Oklahoma has two top running backs in the 22 class already. Right. And they also have, you know, they're, they're also talking – Richard Young and Trey Webb are in conversation with Brandon Ennis, the number one ranked receiver in the country from Florida as well. Like, I don't know. I, I just don't know that if if your idea of being a priority is being told, we need you to commit right now, commit right now, commit right now, then I guess... Ohio State doesn't want to be a priority. I guess then, that, that's, that, then it is what it is. But um, I think that it's a situation where Ohio State clearly has a... a any good program has a pecking list of like, okay, this is our pri- this is what we prefer to happen. But knowing that Ohio State wants two running backs in that class, it seems like it should have been a situation where some patience was exercised by Trey Webb. But maybe it's just a kid that just didn't want to wait. I and mean, he, he had been committed previously to Georgia. Um, you know, he may just not want to deal with this process. And if that's the case, again, totally fine. Um, but I think that it's a situation of just sort of. Uh, different priorities but not necessarily being a priority or not does that you know what i mean different priorities for him like that that's what he wanted that's what he wanted to get out of the way uh i just don't think ohio state was in a hurry to do that with with anyone i don't think ohio state's in a hurry to do that with anybody who has only played two years of high school football and one of them was a COVID year yeah i mean i I, ohio state's not going to do that yeah it's it's too big of a program to take you know to rush kids that have only played really one full year of high school football into a decision and so if, if that makes them not showing that he's a priority, then I guess 
they'll just find a new running back. Because to be perfectly clear, if Trey Webb would have tried to commit to Ohio State on Saturday, they would have welcomed him with open arms and said, yes, absolutely. Yes. Because the conversation has been from the start with him and Richard Young and Justice Haynes um, you know, in, in Georgia. They want to take potentially two running backs in that class, knowing that there is going to be some roster attrition uh, with Mayan, uh, Mayan Williams of you know, maybe one year left after when they get to that point, you've got Master Teague. Um, you know, you, you just have to ask yourself exactly how how do you get there? But I mean, I don't think that they're in a hurry to, to get anyone on board yet. Now, would they have said no? Hell no, they wouldn't have said no. They would have said absolutely, you, you can commit. And then they would have kept recruiting Richard Young and Justice Haynes because it's 2021 and having a kid committed for two years at this point from Florida is almost impossible to do anyway. So you have to keep your options open. I just, I just don't know. I, I mean, I think that you look Especially at the yeah. guy who's already decommitted. from Florida. Right. Exactly. So I don't know, we can, you know, continue to parse that out a little bit over the next couple of weeks, but there is going to be a big recruiting week, a day coming up for Ohio state here on June, uh, July 29th. Richard Young, as I said, will be there. Um, you know, I, maybe maybe you do start to see that he's the priority, but he is the number one ranked running back in the country. He's everyone's priority. I mean, absolutely. Now, you know, now Oklahoma's going to try to make him a priority. That's just, you know, I, I don't know if it's just one of these situations. Yeah, where, but if Oklahoma makes him a priority, does Trey Webb say, "Well, I'm not a priority"? Anymore. Right. I mean, this is this is the game you play, and I just think that's why, as we've talked about before, the best approach for Ohio State is just how 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 brutally honest can we be with these kids? What? Okay, here's the deal, Trey. Like. This is what we think. We think that you're a really good player. We think Richard's a really good player. We'd like to have you both, but we're not going to ask anyone to, to hurry up and commit. I like the word you just used there because I was going to bring this up on the show anyways. We don't talk about a lot of other publications at all, yeah. but I would. I think we would be remiss if we didn't bring up the the Athletic has done a state-by-state state mm. recruiting roundtable yeah. with each with a bunch of high schools. The one thing that keeps coming up, because Ohio State recruits all of these states, Yeah. There's been at least one coach in every story that said Ohio State is honest. Ohio State is honest. And I think we can start to really piece together. We already know the recruiting strategy yeah, of Ohio and State. I think that people think that we're blowing smoke when we say that on our shows. But, I mean, I only say it because that's what the recruits are telling me. The, the high school coaches were very candid and honest in all, from all these states. And the one thing that just continued to come up about Ohio State was Ohio State's coaching staff is just honest. Yep. And if you want in, you want in. If you don't want in, they don't want you. They are honest with everybody. And I think that's something that we can really start to take into as Ohio State starts to build this 23 class. I think the 23 class can be an uphill battle for Ohio State. I think there are a lot of guys, you know, that that, that top 100 is not very heavy of Ohio State-friendly areas. I mean, it is heavy with Ohio State uh, unfriendly territory. I think it could be a little more of an uphill battle for Ohio State in this 23 class. But I think that honesty is going to go a lot further than... But, that, but that's why you see the Buckeyes expanding their areas, right? That's why you go out now to the Pacific Northwest and you're recruiting Washington very hard and you have uh, made really uh, important inroads in the Southwest in Arizona in the last couple of, of years and you, you California. So the Buckeyes are, are in a position where they can make those sort of things happen. But we'll take a break and we'll talk a little bit more about that uh, in just a moment. All right, we are back, and we are in the Letterman Live here. Letterman, Letterman Live. Live Lounge. Letterman Lounge uh, at Roosters on Old Tangier River Road, but this is Talking Stuff, the Ohio State Recruiting Podcast brought to you by Byers Auto. That's Spencer Holbrook. I'm Jeremy Birmingham. We're just continuing to shoot the proverbial poop when it comes to talking uh, stuff about Ohio State football. because, And I like this kind of format, honestly, Spencer, because last week there really was nothing that happened on the Ohio State recruiting trail. There were a couple top tens that got released, uh, you know, when you're talking about – 
players in the 2023 class. And we're talking about kids from areas that are not necessarily known for being pro Ohio State, but you look at uh, there was Mac Markway, uh, a, a tight end from St. Louis, which obviously is an area Ohio State does pretty well in at DeSmet High School. Luke Haas uh, in Oklahoma, who dropped his top eight, and Ohio State was in there with the expectations of Oklahoma and Oklahoma State being the real uh, fighters there. Um, you know, and then you talk about Kay and Lee, the defensive back from Cedar Grove down there in Illinois, Georgia, a school Ohio State recruits very regularly uh, I, I think they're going to miss out on christian miller from that school but obviously that's where antoine jackson's from uh, uh aj harris dropped a top 13 or something last weekend um i don't like to put a whole lot of credence into talking about top 13 lists or top 10 lists even because i think in most of these cases it's kind of just uh fluff and I, I think that most of these kids really have an idea uh, even the kids in the 23 class already know it's like a top three or four in most cases. And there's five or six schools that are just added to make the graphic look cooler or something. Um, I know, agree. But, you know, obviously Georgia has always been an important area for Ohio State to recruit. Um, but as you said, with the top 100 in the class of 2023, not really being Midwest heavy. Uh, it's, it's not really the Ohio State footprint, right? I mean, you, the Buckeyes are going to need to go back down into SEC country, continue to work out west and in Texas, um, and it is going to get harder. So that's why I think it's so vital for Ohio State that somebody in that 23 class step up. Is from the south. And, and step up and is a leader from that area because you're going to need a Pied Piper in that region to kind of convince other kids that it's worth leaving. And I think that in Georgia – uh, there's four kids in that in Georgia, I think, for the class of 2023 that Ohio State is in a really good spot for right now. Uh, again, A.J. Harris and, and Kay and Lee at the top of that list. Gabriel Harris, the uh, defensive end from, from the Florida-Georgia line who uh, decommitted from Florida State the day after visiting Ohio State. Um, and, uh, oh boy, who's the other one I was just thinking of? This is great audio, bro. Uh, uh, man. Anyways, no, my brain just—I, I, there was, there's, here's my the, here's brain the just though. completely crapped on me. Well, you keep thinking about that. But here's the thing: Ohio State has, Ohio State knows what what needs to happen in Georgia, and yeah. Ohio State has been hitting Georgia hard. I always. Mean, you 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 always see them go down there and try to get guys, but here, just in the last couple cycles, especially, you look at the kind of guys they're trying to pull out of Georgia. They we talk about demographics, and I think demographics are way more important to recruiting than people realize, but we. Georgia is becoming a more populated state, more populated yeah. state. And it's becoming the – it's always been a talent-rich area, but it's becoming the talent-rich area. And I think Ohio State recognized that early and started to make you know some ground up in that state in the last four or five years. And now is the push to really get some guys from down in there to, to decide – Hey, Ohio State might yeah. be the move. No, so Justice Haynes is the other one I was talking about. We, we literally were just talking about him when we we're talking about running backs. But uh, Justice Haynes is a kid who has going to have Ohio State in that top two or three, along with Georgia and Clemson. But you, if you're going to go down there with AJ Harris, it's it's Clemson, Notre Dame, Georgia. It with um, with uh, Kyan Lee, it's going to be Georgia and Clemson and, and Notre Dame. All these schools are going to be fighting for the same kids. And if you want to be at that top of the list, if you want to be the creme de la creme, that's French for all of you people out there. It means the cream of the cream. Like the top, the best cream out of the, all the creams. The creamiest. If you want to be the creamiest college football team, you've you got know, to so go to Georgia. If you want to be the, the, the cherry on top of the creme de la creme on the gravy, you're going to have to go win these battles. And so for Ohio State, Georgia is very important, always has been. Texas has obviously been a, a huge part of what they do in the last couple of years. But 
again, if you look at that top 100, you're going to have to go to these areas and win and not just win these battles in areas that have been depleted. Texas has been easy to recruit in the last handful of years because Texas A&M hasn't always been like a real threat. Texas has not been existent at all as a threat. Now they're you know going to try to make things a little harder. Texas A&M with the name, image, and likeness and being part of the SEC, like they're going to make things hey. more difficult. North Carolina is recruiting well. Georgia's recruiting well. Texas A&M and Texas are back to recruiting well. Arizona State recruits well. We got to see how that goes. USC starting to recruit better again. Washington seems like it's getting some momentum. Oregon has. Oregon's been. dominating in the West Coast. Look, all of the areas right now that Ohio State has kind of picked on in the past, they're all coming back. Where yeah. do you go to find that talent now? Because all the talent is still in those areas. It just got a lot harder to recruit. And I'm going to keep saying it. Seriously, that 2023 class, it's going, it's going to be an uphill battle for Ohio State. You, you heard it here first, folks. Spencer Holbrook says Ohio State will have the worst recruiting no, class no, in the no, Big no, Ten. No, 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 I think Ohio State will still finish with the top This class is Spencer's last episode of Talking Stuff. Ohio State is just going to have a tougher time picking on the places that it's always picked on. Ohio State has been able to go to North Carolina or Texas and pluck guys out that they, you know, we want this guy, we're getting this guy. I don't see that happening in this 2023 class as easily as it has happened in the past. Put it on the record, Spencer. What, uh, where do the Buckeyes finish in the 2023 class? Understanding that they don't have a commitment yet in the class, which is just despicable. Shouldn't Ryan Day quit? Number four. Number four in the nation. In the country. It'll be Alabama, Texas A&M, and... Wow. Let's let's go with like an LSU. I actually I actually don't entirely think that your premise is wrong. I think that it is going to be harder to recruit in that class. But if you look back historically at Ohio State's recruiting classes, like it, they're not to expect them to finish number one or two in the country is is a little bit uh, well, and, wrong. But but that's the point I'm making is that it's not going to be like Ohio State's recruiting class is going to drop off. I just think everyone else's is getting better. Everyone else is getting better. Ohio State also is getting a rising better. tide lifts all boats. The 21 class is the best class Ohio State's ever had, and the 22 class is going to surpass that. What I'm saying is it's going to be more difficult for Ohio State to get there. Will they still get there? I think so. I yeah, think I think that's why it's so important for Ohio State that their brand is at an all-time high right now because you're going into these other areas and all you're doing is plucking the best of the best. And it's not like you're going down there and getting average Joe, right? Um, so if you're going down to Georgia, you're picking A, kids that you know in advance are willing to leave that area because – and it's pretty easy to tell. I mean, it's not like it's it's rocket surgery here, okay? Rocket appliances. You know, it's not rocket surgery. What? And, and so, like, you can't be down there and and recruiting just everyone, thinking, oh, well, well, let's let's see. Uh, you can't take like a shotgun approach because it's, you're wasting your time in a lot of instances. It's it's really about getting to know these kids ahead of time and making sure that they're the type of kid who's from a family that has ties to the Midwest or has a desire to leave the area um, and because those are the types of players that are excelling at Ohio State anyway. But I don't know. We got a lot of stuff we could talk about, but I think we should stop talking stuff listen, right now. Listen, when we first started this, I said, Berm, what are we talking about today? And he said, I don't know. So yeah, hopefully I mean, that was a that was like fun. I mean, yeah, well, there's not there's so many things to talk about in the big picture of recruiting that maybe um, you guys aren't here for. So I guess you'll tell us if this sucked or not. But um, you know, as as the Buckeyes, Ohio State staff is still on vacation. Big Ten Media Day starts this week. 
Next week is the final week of the recruiting contact period of the summer. It's going to be a one-week thing. You're going to see, as I said earlier, a big day at Ohio State on July 29th, the barbecue cookout, whatever. We have an attendance list uh, so far. I mean, I've talked a little bit about it, but it's certainly growing. You look at it, Peyton Kirkland, the big offensive lineman from Florida, is coming up uh, with Richard Young and Derek LeBlanc, another defensive end from Florida, who now make his third visit to Columbus. This- who was really impressed by Larry Johnson. Right, so three visits to Ohio State uh, this summer for Derek LeBlanc seems noteworthy to me, I guess, especially if you're talking about Ohio State in the class of 2023, knowing that Ohio's premier defensive end is already committed and off the board to Notre Dame. So you you really need to make a splash at that position. And again, I think that we're going to see a real focus for Ohio State on the Southeast in that class. I think you're going to see if, to. if you can get a leader to emerge from that group down in that area, whether it's LeBlanc, whether it's AJ Harris, somebody that is close with a lot of these kids down there and, and will sort of spearhead the, uh, the effort to, to get a lot of dudes out of that area. I mean, I don't think it's going to be a huge class. You're talking, you know, maybe a 2022 type class, probably not a 27, like 2022 could be. Well, I just said a lot of numbers. Yeah. Wow. It's going to look more like the 2020 class or 2019 class than it is going to look like. Yeah, I don't I don't think, you know, in Ohio State's still trying to figure out exactly how the numbers work with super seniors and all this other stuff from COVID. So I, I don't think that they're in any sort of hurry to to kickstart that 23 class, but they definitely need a guy to be a leader in that class and step up. And, you know, right now you're seeing it. Notre Dame's got their first couple commits. Uh, Oklahoma just got their first two. Um, Penn State has a couple or they had a couple and they're decommitted. I don't know. Penn State, you, never know. you can never tell with them. Penn State's weird. Um, you know, but it, it's it's coming. Florida State, Alabama, all these schools are starting to load up. LSU, I think, has four commitments already in that class. Like there's going to – there's obviously a natural um, delay because of COVID, but eventually that has to – to stop and Ohio state's going to need someone, whether that's Sonny styles in the state of Ohio or Josh Padilla or Luke Montgomery. Um, but then you kind of need to like a t- approach it from a two pronged, you know, way, like you gotta two have your, war. you gotta have your Ohio front and you need to have your Southern front. Um, and I, I think it's just going to be a really interesting conversation to see which, which front develops first. Yep. I don't know. That's it for me. I'm Jeremy Birmingham. That's Spencer Holbrook. This has been Talking Stuff, the Ohio State Recruiting Podcast, brought to you by Byers Automotive. If you're looking for an auto, go to buyersauto.com. If you're looking for stuff, come here. Thanks. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry. Sorry. We're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No. Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.